Welcome to St. Louis on the Air. I'm Don Marsh. The United States may be the land of plenty, but not for everyone. There are millions of Americans who go hungry every day. They don't have enough food, obviously, or access to it. The victims are under-resourced, the urban and rural poor of all ages. Fortunately, there are organizations available to help, with each playing a somewhat different role. Joining me in studio are Julie Pohl, Executive Director of Food Outreach, Lucinda Perry is Director of Strategic Initiatives for Operation Food Search, and Meredith Knopp is President and CEO of the St. Louis Area Food Bank. Ladies, thanks so much for being with us. Great to have you. Thanks for having us. Because I think sometimes people are confused, um, not knowing exactly what each, what each organization does, I'll ask each of you to explain your organization and what it does. Julie, I'll start with you. Thanks. Food Outreach provides nutritional services to men, women, and children diagnosed with HIV, AIDS, or cancer living at or below 300% of the federal poverty level. And we serve um, nutritional services, including food, to almost 2,000 clients a year in the form of home scratch-prepared meals through our kitchen, shelf-stable food, fresh fruits and vegetables. We provide private dietetic counseling to these clients, and then we have a community meal once a week on Mondays in our dining room, as well as other services. Education, uh, on a monthly basis, we have education classes and cooking classes. Do you, do you provide these services daily as, as well as the weekly gathering? Our, our, uh, we're open almost every day, um, and the clients get, uh, they're, they're referred to us, so they get a schedule of when the nutrition center is actually open. And we provide two meals a day for two weeks at a time to our clients at no charge to them. And then we home deliver to about 10% of our clients. Okay, that's what I was getting at. I thought was home delivery involved there uh, at some point. Meredith, how about you? Sure. So at the St. Louis Area Food Bank, we are building stronger communities by empowering people with food and hope. We do this across 26 counties in Missouri and Illinois. We actually source food from a variety of different sources, whether that's farmers, USDA, wholesalers, retailers, corporations across the bi-state region doing food drives. And we collect that food back at our facility out in Bridgeton. Uh, And then we have a very robust logistics model. So we are distributing, last year, for example, 43.5 million pounds of food, with 11.6 million pounds of that being fresh produce. We do this through an incredibly robust network of agencies, partners, and programs partners, over 560 in the bi-state region. So we have a very uh, robust operation that goes on. We're helping a lot of people all over the bi-state region uh, that are struggling with hunger. It's great that you're helping a lot of people. It's very sad that there are a lot of people. It is. You know, when we opened our doors in 1975, we uh, distributed 135,000 pounds of food. And that's a lot of food Mm -hmm. uh, when you think about it. Now we are averaging 174,000 pounds a day. Incredible, incredible. Lucinda, last but not least. Thank you. Uh, I work at Operation Food Search, and we are an organization that has a vision to end child food insecurity and family food insecurity. And we do that uh, through three different ways. One is meeting the immediate need. So we have a a variety of child-focused programs that include our summer meals program. We partner with organizations across the uh, bi-state region for after 
after-school programs to provide meals to kids um, so that they have uh, the, the after-school refuel is what we call it. So they have uh, that uh, next two hours in their day to be successful. And then we also have a weekend backpack program. Our next level of programs are focused on building nutrition IQ because we really want to empower our uh, kids and families to learn how to cook and uh, be able to use the food resources to the best of their ability and make those precious food dollars stretch as much as possible while being able to add healthy food to their diet. And then lastly, our, our newest pillar of our work is called Championing Change. And that's where we are really looking at the root causes of hunger and uh, the intersection of hunger with health outcomes, academic success, and ultimately the economic vitality of our region and our state. You really have just outlined how important food is to our overall well-being. Of course, it's obvious we, we all need food, but it impacts so many other parts of our lives as well. That's right. We yeah. can't be successful at school, at work, at uh, within our own family structures if we don't have the nutrition that we need for us to, to be able to be our, the best that we can be. Hmm. Meredith, um, how do you define food insecurity? So food insecurity is actually defined by the USDA is access by all people at all times uh, to enough healthy and nutritious foods to live an active lifestyle. That's simple, but it sounds very governmentalese, if you will. It does. It does. So basically, everyone out there should be able to access healthy and nutritious foods all the time. We have too many children, too many seniors, too many veterans, too many families going to bed hungry uh, all across our region. This is not something that is happening in far off different co- you know countries. Uh, it's happening right here uh, yeah. in our in our region locally. People are usually astounded when I tell them that uh, the county with the third largest uh, food insecurity population for us is St. Charles County. Uh, so it is It is real. It is present. And there are people in the land of plenty, as you said in the beginning, uh, where there is so much food. Uh, for last year alone, to have 70 billion pounds of food, edible food, reaching our landfills is simply unacceptable. And you mentioned St. Charles County. That's where we grow a lot of our food. Right. <laughs> it's one of, the, one of those places. I live in St. Charles. <laughs> do you really? I do. The, uh, the, the term... Food security, Julie, as I indicated to Meredith, bothers me a little bit because it it sort of sanitizes the problem. Right, right. I I understand. Sells it. Right. Well, and I think one of the things that's interesting about this program, Don, is that all three of these organizations' missions re- profoundly relate to poverty. So when we talk about hunger and how it relates to poverty, we have to think about this in terms of equity as well, because the idea of equity points to Uh, experiences where every individual has what they need to be successful. Mm -hmm. That includes um, everything related to their health, safety, education, economics in terms of employment, and housing. So food insecurity points to something that all of our team members and volunteers understand profoundly relates to, I can state it in the positive, as it, it relates to privilege and access in one way, and hunger relates enormously to being under-resourced and having a lack of access in a lot of different ways. This is 21st century America. I mean, it's really hard to, to grasp the fact that we have so many people. Is there a number out there that is used by the government or organizations like yours with regard to the number of people who are actually 
Hungry. I'm going to say hungry rather than food insecure. Right. <laughs> in Missouri, it's around 850,000 hmm. uh, people. That include about 220,000-something kids. Hmm. So we estimate roughly one in five kids um, in the state of Missouri as being hungry or at risk of not knowing where their next meal is going mm-hmm. to be coming from. One of the interesting parts of this particular dilemma is the fact that uh, we're talking about access to food. It's one, it's one thing to be hungry uh, and another thing to not be able to acquire it unless somebody like Meredith, your organization, right. yes. uh, delivers it to you. Mm-hmm. That's, uh, that's a big problem. North St. Louis, for instance, has a yes. huge problem. The food deserts, we've come to call right. them. Right. Exactly. So I I just don't understand it. Well, and and I I think that that's something that we have to think about all the time. The idea that we can eat what and when we want to is enormously privileged. And so when we think about our many, many of the children, the families, the seniors, clients diagnosed with chronic illness and what they go through in a day to face uh, getting access to food and then the next layer proper nutrition there's a big difference between what we could all mm-hmm. think of and what our um our community members think of as food and what we all know is nutritious mm-hmm. yeah. well what we hear a lot with um so- some of our clients and and program participants, is the problem of transportation. So um, even if a family uh, or an individual has a car, there are, we've learned that there are different uh, levels of what that transportation means. Is the car actually working? Is it drivable? Is, are the tags recent? Uh, Is there some kind of, you know, do they have heat? Do they have air conditioning in the summer? Mm-hmm. So there we've- Can you we've, afford gas? Can you yes. afford gas? Can you afford the insurance? <clears throat> so there, we're finding that simply asking the question, do you have access to transportation to go to a grocery store, to be able to access the most affordable food that mm-hmm. you can? And when they say yes, there is typically, under, if you scratch the surface, you will learn that that is very unreliable mm-hmm. transportation. Well, and I'll tell you, too, one of the things, and Lucinda is spot on, uh, one of the things that we've done to try to combat this and try to, to be part of the solution is getting out to these communities through what we call our mobile distribution program. So at the St. Louis Area Food Bank, we did 913 mobile distributions last year alone. And that's when we load up our trucks with either 10 to 25,000 pounds of fresh fruit produced, vegetables, meat, things that our neighbors need uh, to sustain themselves. And we drive out to these areas where those food mm-hmm. deserts exist, where there might be problems with public transportation or, to Lucinda's yeah. point, yeah, they're private transportation. So we go out to these parking lots with our volunteers and our staff, and we literally load cars for a few hours every day. And we're out there meeting people where they are because mm-hmm. you're right. Uh, transportation is sometimes a barrier to acquiring uh, nutritious food. Well, we talked about food deserts. What about what's a food swamp, Julie? Uh, a food swamp is uh, a place where there are little or no choices. It relates to this term of food insecurity, and um, a, a food swamp is actually what we would think of as uh, a fast food, a quick stop for um, something to swallow, which doesn't necessarily ever relate to nutrition. A food swamp is the is the fast convenience store. What we think of as a convenience store. 
potato chips and uh, um, heavily sugared sodas. High fructose, stuff like everything, that. and yeah. uh, empty carbs, um, so, so no fruits and vegetables. People living this way, they're not necessarily hungry. They're just getting food that is not very good for them. They're nutritionally hungry. Yeah. And that is really That's, important. Um, they, you can't sleep well. You can't even sleep well no. living that way. I've got to take a break. Let's do that now. We'll come back and we'll continue our talk about food insecurity, as some call it, hunger, as others might, uh, might call it. And uh, we'd like to get you into the conversation. If you'd like to be a part of it, perhaps you have an experience you'd like to share or a story you'd like to tell, do so at uh, 382-8255. That's 382-TALK. Send us an email to talk at stlpublicradio.org, or we'll take a tweet at STL on air. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio, 90.7 KWMU. Now back to our conversation with Julie Pohl, Executive Director of Food Outreach. Lucinda Perry, that is, is Director of Strategic Initiatives for Operation Food Search. And Meredith Knopp is President and CEO of the St. Louis Area Food Bank. Uh, Lucinda, I'll come back to you because you educated me even further during the break by saying there's yet another term that we should be familiar with. That's right, and it's, it's called food hardship. And that is um, often referred to people who are working three jobs, sometimes more, uh, that may not be chronically hungry, but that experience several times, uh, perhaps throughout the year, maybe it's related to cyclical employment, underemployment, but that um, they are not sure from day to day uh, whether or not they're going to have to experience that food hardship within the house. Mm. Meredith, you indicated uh, earlier on in the program that an awful lot of food is thrown away. Is anything being done to kind of uh, retain that food so it can be used somehow? Yes. So at the St. Louis Area Food Bank, we are working really, really hard with retailers and partners across the country. uh, And we are very, very grateful for all of their support. And so we get a lot of our food and product donations, perfectly edible, perfectly consumable, not expired food, uh, that for some reason, maybe the label is torn or the Mm -hmm. can is dented. So it doesn't look aesthetically pleasing. Mm -hmm. Uh, We'll get those types of products. We'll get things off the shelf that maybe just is a slow mover. Uh, And so we will come up and we'll go pick that up from those retailers, wholesalers, distributors manufacturers, bring it back to our facility in Bridgeton, and we'll process it, check it, and then get it back out to our partners and agencies. So there is a lot of work that still can be done uh, to help ensure that this food does not end up in landfills. Do any of you others have experience this way? Julie, for instance? We, we, do, we are able to accept a variety of food donations in order to look at that whole area of wasted food. However, I will say that related to our clients and their, their diet diagnosis, we have to have really strict uh, food protocols around what we are able Mm -hmm. to accept. Lucinda, how about you? And Operation Food Search works with uh, Schnucks and Deerberg's and some of the local retailers, uh, like similar to the area food bank in that we uh, collect food from those uh, grocery stores. And then we have a also a membership of about 220 agencies that we partner with in the bi-state region to, uh, again, collect that food and get it out to clients. Do, do the people you serve find you or do you find them? So typically, um, both, really. Uh, yes. <laughs> yes. I yeah. think that, that all three of our agencies are because of our, our deep community partnerships that 
people in need, I think, do know how to reach out to us, but we always like to spread the word. Uh, so for us, we have a find food tab on our website um, at operationfoodsearch.org, and it's an interactive map that you can go in, put your zip code in, and find the nearest food pantry or um, food outlet available um, to help with people who are experiencing food hardship. So the answer is yes and yes to that uh, to the question that I asked. By the way, we'll put links to your websites on our website at stlpublicradio.org so people can access it uh, more easily. What about the government's role in all of this? Is the government helpful? I mean, we hear about cutbacks and SNAP, the old food stamps and things like that. Is, is that happening, and how is it hurting if it is? Um, do you want to go on SNAP first, Meredith, and sure. comment about that? Sure. So at the St. Louis Area Food Bank, we have a very robust SNAP outreach program. Uh, we focus a lot on education, uh, letting people know and kind of dispelling some of the rumors about who is eligible for SNAP, what is SNAP, how can SNAP benefits be used. Uh, I have an entire team that actually helps people complete the applications. Uh, it is not a simple application that you can complete in five minutes, uh, but we try to break down some of those barriers. And again, SNAP applications provide a lot of meals, so it's a very very uh, good program for people that qualify here in the bi-state region. Is it being cut back at all? Not right now. Uh, so there was a lot of information on the recent farm bill uh, that was passed. So we were very, very uh, pleased uh, that there were no cuts uh, made to the SNAP program. Julie, go ahead. And I was going to say gratefully that we have a St. Louis Area Food Bank team member who comes once a month to actually help our clients enroll in the SNAP program. And uh, I was also going to share that we uh, remain uh, we funded through federal funding a diff couple different kinds of federal funding, including the Ryan White grant, uh, at a, to about the tune of about 40% of our income right now. So uh, my answer is absolutely the federal government. Uh, we, we are benefiting from um, a lot of funding that r relates to poverty, food, hunger, and illness. And the way that the federal government helps uh, ease childhood hunger is through our after-school programs, which is mm -hmm. the government acronym is CACFP, and our summer meals program, yeah. which of course has another acronym. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and uh, that provides um, us the ability to give kids uh, food that's available when school is mm -hmm. out. We find that about 80 um, that kids living in poverty get about 80% of their nutrient-dense food at school. So when school is out, that's a particularly vulnerable time for them. Sure. And uh, so the, the school meals program really helps keep that summer stride for kids um, nourished. Glad to hear that uh, we have a government program that seems to be working. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Not all of them do all of the time. Let's take a couple of calls here. We'll start with Karen in University City. Uh, Karen, thank you for waiting. You're on the air. Hey, Don. Hey. Um, I, hey, I was just um, up in St. Anne this past weekend and went to an antique mall, of all places. Um, and right in the middle of the antique mall, they had a fresh produce market, which I have never seen before. Um, they had, a, like, not a huge variety of things, but they had, like, strawberries and onions and apples and then some other sort of packaged goods. But the prices were really reasonable. And I just thought it was kind of a cool thing for a business like that um, to add something like that, especially in that part of the area. So just wanted to point that out. It's called the Manhattan Antique Mall, and it's up on St. Charles Rock Road. Mm -hmm. Karen, thank you for the call. 
Good. So, so Karen, I think that is a fascinating example of how we need to think differently about making food accessible to people in the community where they live, and that um, that that in a community that has limited access to have it someplace where it, it where people are already shopping, that there's no stigma there, and uh, an easy way for them to just pick up some essentials to take home is is the way that we need to start thinking and really gets to Julie's uh, conversation earlier around the equity piece. What about urban gardens? We hear a lot about that, but I, I, I don't see too many of them. Are they, are they taking hold or is it just something we talk about? Not when there's snow on the ground. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, we're out of luck today, that's for sure. Right, right. We, we benefit from several uh, urban uh, community gardens in the city and uh, because uh, a couple of the people who are involved there are aware of our mission and our need for uh, fresh produce. And um, in the growing season, we, we benefit from several local gardens which I'm very grateful for. Sure. Anybody else have experience with the uh, urban gardens? Doesn't sound like it's in your wheelhouse necessarily. Let's take another call. Uh, we're bringing Sheila calling from University City. Sheila, thanks for being with us. Hi. Thanks for taking my call. Um, Don, the first time I heard the term food insecurity many years ago, I didn't know what it meant. <laughs> I It was around the time that there was a a problem with uh, tainted baby food from China, and I thought, well, that's what food insecurity must mean, that you can't trust the foods are okay. But when I realized from listening to the rest of the story, the context, what food insecurity meant, I was shocked. I was really shocked. As you said, those terms are so sanitized. They may be technically more accurate, but they fail to convey the urgency of the problems. I mean, when the terms were hunger and even starvation, those, those convey urgency. But food insecurity, and I'm glad you keep referring to it as hunger, Don, um, it just, I, I, I just can't understand why that term is used so frequently. It's, it, it doesn't, it doesn't, tell people how urgent it is to take care of the problem. And I'm talking about federal federal and state governments and potential donors and so on. Uh, Sheila, thanks for the call and thanks for agreeing with me. I don't get calls like that <laughs> very often, but I appreciate it. When did this term come into uh, common usage? It seems to me it's like five, six years ago is when I first started hearing it. Yeah, I, I think you're right about that, Don. Mm -hmm. And I, I noticed a couple of years ago, one of the things that um, really drew me into the St. Louis region and the Missouri area in terms of our hunger with all of our neighbors and community members was the Missouri Foundation for Health's paper. They did an, a whole health equity series, and one of them was based on food insecurity. And um, I, I think that people who work in public health uh, were also working to address health disparity um, uh, use this term, but it, it, uh, it's, it's perhaps it, we still need to remember that mm -hmm. we should go back to referring to it as, as hunger. It seems to me that people who are, are poor are often invisible to everybody else. How well do you think the public in general understands the fact that we do have this problem that affects millions of Americans? Well, I'll tell you, Don, we you know at the St. Louis Area Food Bank, we always tell people, you know, hunger can affect anyone, 
but mm-hmm. anyone can affect hunger. Mm-hmm. Um, quite literally, all of us are one accident, one major illness away mm-hmm. from needing uh, help and assistance. You know, hunger doesn't have a specific look or a zip code. Uh, it affects our friends, our neighbors, our, our kids' friends at school. Uh, it affects a lot of times family members, and we don't even know about mm-hmm. it because people don't want to talk about it. You don't want to say, hi, I'm, I'm hungry today. I haven't eaten since yesterday. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's something that I'm really, really proud that all three of our organizations, along with many, many others across the community, are really, really working to find innovative and creative partnerships and collaborations to move the needle. Let me ask each, as our time begins to wind down, ask each of you what what you need. And uh, this is an opportunity to, and I'll start with you, Lucinda, let folks know how they can help you do what you do. Uh, financial donations are always appreciated. We receive uh, no you know, state or federal dollars. And so the operations that we've all talked about here today uh, cost money. We really appreciate in-kind food donations as well. And I'm sure that Meredith will bring this up too, that it takes a lot of volunteers to collect the the uh, tremendous amounts of, pa- of pounds that both of our organizations collect and to get that back out into the community. So we're always looking for volunteers as well. So so time, treasure, and also expertise and lending your voice, letting your elected officials know, your friends know, uh, anyone who will listen about the issue of hunger and to just learn more about it so that um, learning how hunger is is impacting our region. Meredith? Again, it's that anyone can affect hunger. So whether it's a financial contribution, it's a food and funds drive at your business, your church, with your school groups, uh, your collegiate uh, activities who are out there. If you're volunteering either at the St. Louis Food Bank or one of my my friends here at the table, uh, organizations, or if you're able uh, to lend a hand. Uh, so we have lots of opportunities. We have lots of new pilots and new programs that we're getting ready to launch. Uh, if someone is out there and they have experience uh, in something or maybe they have some time on their hands, please give us a call. Please visit our website. We guarantee we can put you to work, uh, and that work is very, very rewarding. All right. Julie? I would say what Lucinda and Meredith have said, and just add to that, that we would probably close our doors in about two days. Uh, We're completely dependent on the work of about 700 volunteers a year through their individual lives, their organizations. Uh, We're also uh, grateful recipients of food drives throughout the year. And, um, yeah, I would encourage anyone who's interested in trying to help people who are chronically sick, diagnosed with these two diagnoses and other things related to poverty, um, we would welcome um, investments large and small in order to make a difference in their lives. I want to thank you all so much for being with us. Keep up the good work. Obviously, it's a problem people have to know about before they can solve it. Thank you, Dan. Thank you, Dan. Thank you. Julie Pohl, Food Outreach, thank you. Lucinda Perry with Operation Food Search, thank you. Meredith Knopp, the St. Louis Area Food Bank, thanks to you. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio, 90.7 KWMU.